Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you ready? They think you can tell us what to do. You think you can tell us what to wear. You think that you're better. Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. DJ Nation fam, what is up? What is happening? It's the DFS DJ Nation coming to you live for week 16. I believe we're at episode 73. It's been flying by. The whole season's been flying by. But uh, we're happy to be with you once again. It's your host, Ryan Williams. You can find me on Twitter at RyanAlexander underscore W. And I'm joined by my usual suspect, my usual co-host, Mr. Kevin Steele at Fantasy Rat 13. And then we're joined no other by special guests. Maddie Dickinson at Maddie DTQE. Maddie was able to come in and join us at the very last minute. We gotta, we gotta pull him out the reserves, and we got a fun one here with the trifecta, the three man pod for the DFS DJ Nation, fellas. How we doing tonight? I'm good, man. It's uh, Friday night, and we got we got three games of football tomorrow, which is a weird feeling, but um, right. it's a feeling we're going to get used to over the next six to eight weeks, or whatever it is. Um, with Saturday football playoff games uh, on the horizon. So um, they're starting to, to get our feet wet with that that feeling on Saturday football. But got to take the place of college football, I guess. So that's kind of why they're making the switch over there um, in the NFL schedule. But good to talk football. Um, glad, to, glad to be on here. I, I know Kev reached out to me last night to hop on last night, but had some things work things going on. So, you know, good to be here uh, on Friday. Last, Like you said, last minute, but hey. Better than no minute, right? That's right. Better late than never, but never late is better. Kev, talk to the people. What's going on with you for week 16? Not much. I'm hyped. You know, it is the week before Christmas. It is, uh, you know, we're only a few days away from the the great holiday that is Christmas. Uh, We got a full weekend of games, of NFL games here. Uh, We do apologize for uh, missing last week. You know, we had some things come up, but so is life. So is life. That's what happens sometimes. But um, but we're we're back and we are going to break down this slate. Uh, It's going to be pretty good. Uh, I think we should also pour one out for the homie Chris Godwin. You know, uh, I shed a tear um, during the last week whenever uh, he went down i was like uh you know simba like get up get up come on you got to get up like but uh he did not and also shout out to all the, our season-long people playing uh for the championship this week you know trying to get that chip so uh should be good yeah that won't be kevin but uh the rest of you hey whoa 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 that's the, 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 like most most uh the tfa listener league for one which is a 20-man league i'm in the championship so did you make the playoffs in okay. that league by the way you're in it did you make uh, the playoffs I didn't even know I was in it, so I guess I didn't. I didn't make the playoffs. 
That's awesome. So that league, like I was kind of the same way. Like I didn't really pay much that much attention to it, and like I didn't make a move all year. Like I guess there's fab budget. I still have all hundred dollars of the fab. Like I never put in a single waiver claim. My boon all in. Yep. <laughs> and well, actually, it's funny because like two weeks ago, I actually finally made a move and I picked like DeAndre Washington was chilling. I was like, oh, he's done something. This is a 20 man league, right? So there's not much uh, room, there's not many players out there. So I just went and scooped up DeAndre Washington. It's like, oh, whatever. And then Tyler Higby was also available. So I picked up both them. And uh, so it's been pretty good. But so you could take that back about not knowing anything about a championship week. Well, I guess that's fair because it's, it's in a league that I, uh, apparently have uh, put on on waivers and layaway myself so i will go in and see how i even fared uh in that league after this but we got dfs and crab like you said it's the week before christmas so uh DraftKings and the rest of the dfs sites uh as we're talking about them have gifted us with these two slates that we have so real briefly let, let's spend a little bit of time and talk about this saturday slate before we get into the sunday main slate and as, as Maddie, as you alluded to, there's three games here that we have to talk about. Kind of feels like Thanksgiving uh, 2.0 as there's really only one fantasy goodness game to like. We got uh, three matchups here. Uh, first game going on is Houston visiting Tampa Bay. Uh, Houston favored by three. It looks like you got New England at home against Buffalo. Uh, a, a game that if Buffalo wins could have them winning the AFC East and at the first time in the Brady reign, um, which is just un- unbelievable uh, to think about. So that's definitely going to be a great game to watch from a football perspective, but fantasy, not so much maybe. And then we got San Fran uh, hosting the LA Rams uh, with San Fran favored by six and a half as well. So, um, you know, I-, I think it starts off with this first game here, uh, 12 o'clock lock on central time, one o'clock for you Easterners. Jameis is going to be rolling out there with with nobody. Um, I mean, you could say Brashard Perriman. He's he's priced up to six thousand now on DK, uh, and that's fine if you want to play him. But the ownership, Kev, you and I were talking about this uh, pre-show. The ownership is going to be stupid on Brashard Perriman, like absolutely just ridiculous. And for a guy that really hasn't done much for his career, I, I mean, I get why people want to play him. But when you look at last week, he was the number two and kind of forced into the number one role. So like he's eating out there when, you know, the defense is accommodating Chris Godwin, so to speak, at least for a little bit of that game. And then, you know, just through a roulette of other guys, he was still able to pop this Texans team. They've been able to plan for Chris Godwin missing for some time now. So, if you're thinking, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, hey, take these two tight ends, do something with them. You can take a guy like Justin Watson and do something with them. But we're not going to let Brashard Perryman get loose um, in this game here. I, I, I think that's just what the Houston Texans approach has to be um, on that side. And so when you're looking at uh I don't, we don't have the pricing up, but he, I know he's 6K and you're looking at other, other ways you can go like, you know, John Brown for significantly lower ownership. I it's listen, it's stuff I'm shutting down all people all year, but John Brown's actually been pretty solid all season long. And I think he, I think he's a great pivot play. Um, if you can, I know 
these te- these two teams matched up before, and Cole Beasley was kind of the one that got loose there. Had like six six or ten catches for seventy yards. Um, who I think Cole Beasley actually makes four four or five play too with the slot corner um, banged up for for New England. But um, you know, it's it's going to be a really straightforward slate. I think you said, Maddie, and I, I really do think that the whole slate comes down to Brashard Perryman and whether or not you're going to play him or not. And then if you're, you know, if you're playing him, how else are you going to be different? And if you're not playing him, where are you going instead to still feel like you're going to be ahead of the field? Um, And so with guys like, you know, Will Fuller on this slate, uh, Emmanuel Sanders going against Richard Sherman on this slate, like there are other spots where guys, I think, have the potential to break the slate um, and not see as high ownership as Perryman. Uh, Maddie, you're the guest. I'll start with your thoughts here uh, on the slate as a whole in general, because that, that's really what it comes down to. And then I guess we could talk about, you know, a couple favorite spots that we like. Yeah, so so I mentioned pre-show kind of, I haven't really dug in as much on the on the three-game Saturday slate, just because that one is a little quicker and um, I can really dive in on it probably tomorrow morning. But just look like looking at looking at a high-level first glance here, the running back matchup against Houston is is very very good. Uh, so over the last, so I, I did an analysis on uh, the Houston or each week I, I post um, my my article over at, at TQE. I, I post the the trench matchups for offense versus defense. Um, and and last week I started to try to note some trends over the last five weeks and how defensive lines have you know are they performing better? Are they performing worse? Like. And it, it kind of captures, you know, maybe that maybe a defense is dealing with injuries of late. Uh, maybe they've gone through a, a, a scheme change like Atlanta after their bye week. Um, just different things will, will be captured over the last five weeks as opposed to a season as a whole. Uh, so looking at Houston last week, these are the last week numbers. So you'd be looking at not including last week's game. Um, uh, they had dropped nine spots. On, from their season ranking just over the last five weeks on adjusted line yards and dropped four spots in open field yards. So for those of you who don't really um, know what, what these stats mean, it's these are from football outsiders and uh, adjusted line yards is a good way to, to measure solely the defensive or offensive line play of a unit. Um, and then you've got second level yards are going to be your five to 10 yard carries and open field yards are, are carries that go for 10 or more yards. Uh, so you're looking at a Houston defense that has just been getting gashed on the ground over the last five weeks. You've got everybody and their mother who wants to play Jameis Winston and Brashad Perryman. Why not be different with the same exact team and just get your points on the ground? You could, and you could honestly like take a San Francisco 49ers approach here and, and play both Ronald Jones and, and Peyton Barber and get weird with it. I mean, both guys get goal line carries. Both guys have seen double-digit rush attempts in the last five weeks. Um, I, I mean, they're not really involved in the pass game. Ronald Jones is a little more than Peyton Barber, but, I mean, it's not – I don't know. The, the, Ronald Jones is 4,400 and Barber's 3,900, so you're essentially combining those two guys for a, as a 7K back as the best rushing matchup on paper um, of the three-game slate. So I think that's a great way to be different um, from the chalk. And that's probably if I was if play, playing the slate tomorrow, uh, that's probably how I'm going to start my teams uh, in tournaments is, you know, try to be different with a different air attack and get leverage on that Tampa Bay air attack with with the Tampa Bay ground game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the pretty common theme here is going to be attacking this is 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 the you know the first game of the slate, which is the Deshaun Watt, you know, the Bucks and the the Texans. Where I mean, the, the two totals right now, you have twenty six for the for the Texans and twenty seven actually for a team total for the Bucks, um, which is a little crazy to me thinking thinking about a team that does not have Mike Evans or or Chris Godwin. But um, as we as we've seen, this this Texans defense can be torched through the air, and Jameis Winston's a quarterback that he just doesn't give a fuck and will and will throw it out to anybody um, on any given moment. So, I mean, if you look at some of the other team totals on here, you have like the 16 for the Bills and you have uh, 19 for the Rams and, you know, even Tom Brady and the Patriots are 22 and a half. And I think that's a little high in my opinion. But so right right now, I think this is where it all is. But if, if I wanted to get different, I think it probably would be maybe going to the 49ers here who have a 25, 25.75 team total right now and are six and a half point favorites. Um, I feel like that this is a good place to attack, and I think that you could go with some of their options. And I think some of their options are even a little bit cheaper than I mean, Brashad Perriman at six K is is ridiculous in my opinion. Like, no thank you. Um, if he was like maybe forty five hundred, you know, I, maybe. But that's why I'd much rather play Justin Watson. And I think a lot of this is going to be recency bias, and people are going to be buying into what just happened last week with Brashad Perriman getting the three touchdowns. Um, I feel like Justin Watson now without Chris Godwin is going to play the Chris Godwin role in this offense. He played 64% of the snaps from the slot. And so like, I, I think a, a nice leverage play just in this game, getting, getting different and going with a Justin Watson who had one target, I think last week for five yards, I think is going to be a, a way to differentiate yourself from the people that are going to load up on Rashad Perriman. I think that's a complete trap. And so you know, I like going with guys like that versus going with, you know, the complete chalk. Like, I think it's the way you go. Like, running back, I think, is a complete crapshoot right now. I don't think there's a running back on the slate that you feel great about right now. Um, I do like Devin Singletary at 5,500 because of his usage in the passing game. And then, you know, you could probably talk me into James White, but I just don't know if this is like a James White game. I feel like this is a really low scoring 17 to 14 type game. Uh, it's for the division. You know, Buffalo obviously is going into New England. New England's offense has been just absolutely terrible. Even last week against the Bengals, they still did not look good. It was all because of the defense uh, with the 34 points they put up last week. But so right now, like, I feel like this is a way to do it. And I feel like that, you know, I think kind of like what you were saying with attacking with a different quarterback besides Deshaun Watson or Justin uh, uh, Jameis Winston. I think, like I said, going with a Jimmy G or even if you want to get really weird and go like golf. But I think that's probably the way to do it, and then come you know come back with some of these different wide receiver plays um, other than the norm, you know, like a uh, uh, Justin Watson type. Yeah, I mean, this first game op- opens up everything, so you, you're going to want to get the pieces right there. Um, I, I'll have much more Deshaun Watson lineups than I do Jameis Winston. Extremely interested in the Texans D who are coming in at 3,200. But in you know in my main line, I think I'll probably have the Patriots D um, who are able to get four sacks and three interceptions the last time these two teams met. Um, and now this is in Foxborough. So, you know, if the Patriots are able to get up big and, and force Josh, Josh Allen – uh, into some mistakes, I think that can still pay off dividends. I, I mean, look what the Patriots D has been doing all year. Uh, we just saw it last week; they put up twenty points. So, especially on a three-game slate, I'm, I'm, you know, usually we talk about not paying up for defenses, but I just want a defense that I know is going to wreck havoc um, and can get plays. And you know, this this Houston team could definitely give up points to Jameis just because he, like you said, kept full DGAF mode. He goes out there, throws 50 times. It doesn't matter. Um, and he could just wind up scoring touchdowns. Uh, I think another interesting, you know, angle 
to touch on with this game is is this this the San Francisco uh, passing attack. Like you said, with Jimmy G, Kev, even if I don't have exposure to him, I am interested in an Emmanuel Sanders that comes in at only $5,500. Who? That's just too cheap. Um, Even with Jalen Ramsey out there, I just think that's too cheap for the upside that he can offer and the way they get him across the field. But then you have Debo Samuel even at $5,100, who definitely should uh, see some looks as well come his way in this matchup if they're not funneling to Sanders um, and sacking with George Kittle as well too. Um, Duke Johnson though, you know, we're talking about a Tampa Bay team on the ground who Carlos Hyde probably finds himself in the worst matchup on the week um, of any running back, but Duke Johnson out there being able to catch passes should be nice. Um, Running backs have been targeted 10th most against Tampa Bay, probably because how stout they are at stopping the run. So to get exposure on a guy like Duke Johnson in this game, in the early game, when there's so many running back options to go to, uh, you, we talked about Devin Singletary. There's James White in this game. There's going to be Raheem Moser exposure. Todd Gurley's on the slate. So Duke Johnson, even though he's in the first game, should see lower ownership uh, than you know than expected. And and especially with if Kyle Fuller or what Kyle Fuller, if Will Fuller ends up missing. Uh, because he's still questionable on the report. I think, you know, somebody else is going to have to be funneled targets. Um, and then that's that too. Say that again. Oh, Hyde, Hyde, on the Hyde's, report. Hyde's questionable yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would much rather want Hyde to be in there just from an ownership play because I still think people will, you know, try and force him in. Um, and Duke Johnson's ownership will just go heavier because anybody who's targeting that slate with Deshaun Watson ownership is going to, you know, if you're in a 150 max, you're going to see um, Duke Johnson uh, skyrocket there. But in single entries, I think it makes for a pretty a pretty sharp play. Um, Kenny Stills, people could think about ch- that might be chasing, but Tampa Bay's been very vulnerable against the slot. So uh, if he's able to you know get out there and and, and play in the slot against this team, I, I like it. Um, is there any other thing we want to touch about on this game? I mean, really. You know, I I think it's pretty simple. I think you, you know, with these other two games, 37 is over under for New England Buffalo. And then I think 44 and a half from San Francisco and Rams. So really, you're trying to think about ways to different exposure or not different exposure, but getting an edge on this first game on how to, you know, how to target it, I think. By you know saying you're not having Perryman, I think is is going to help a lot in GPPs. This is a GPP approach only, not cash. If you play cash, then by all means play Perryman because he's going to be seventy to eighty percent owned in cash. But from a GPP tournament's perspective, try and get this game right. Uh, figure out the rest. Look at the spots you're looking at, and then uh, you know have fun with picking the defense as well. Uh, but is there any other thing that I missed before we move on to Sunday slate? I think one thing that I would say that I don't think was really said was, especially on a three-game slate, that um, one way you can actually get different and differentiate yourself from other people is leaving money on the table as well and not feeling like you have to go and spend most of your, your um, allotted cap. So, you know, leaving yeah. 1000 leaving 1500 or even 2000 um, I think is uh, a way to differentiate yourself from the field and not one that most people, a lot of people feel comfortable with. A lot of people feel like you have to spend all the money and you don't. And I think it's just a smart move to leave money on the table because, um, you know, and, and like I said, like with this, with this one, you know, much different than like the Thanksgiving slate, like there's not a lot of guys to pay up for here. Um, 
you know, on this entire, you know, on this entire slate, like the, the most expensive running back at 6,300, you know, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are off the board. So, you know, I mean, you're really talking about a bunch of six and five and 4K wide receivers tied in, you know, kind of the same thing. So, like, I feel like this is kind of a slate you can do whatever you want. And so uh, I think leaving money on the table is probably going to be the end up being the optimal approach. For, for sure. That's a good point. Um, all right, let's let's hit on this Sunday main slate here. Um, because of the Saturday slate, we are, you know, there's really no, there is a Millie, but uh, 1500 entry fee, I believe, for the Millie. So we're going to get in Kev's tournament here uh, for our build, and that's going to be the slant uh, $9 entry, 500K to first. Uh, and that's where we're going to, you know, do our do our build for the DJ Nation pod for all you listeners out there. Um, only 11 games on this slate because of Saturday. So one of the smaller ones that we've seen. Uh, for a Sunday main slate, but we'll start off with the quarterback position. Um, Lamar Jackson comes in at 8K going against Cleveland on the road against Cleveland. Uh, but you're getting quarterback, running back, the MVP of the league. He's doing it all. Um, in cast games, I think he, he makes a ton of sense to start your lineups with when you're looking at the production he's putting up. Um, in GPPs, it seems like a ridiculous play um, to get to Lamar Jackson only for the sole reason that he's really, you know, the yardage from a passing standpoint hasn't needed to be there. I I get it. He's going to rush a lot, but these touchdown numbers that he's been able to put up are absolutely bananas. Um, And he is getting benched for RG three when they do get up ahead. So if you do get into a situation where, you know, Lamar's, reach 30 points because he's rushed for a hundred, ran one in, maybe ran two in and then thrown for three. Like this dude's not going to be out there. So just from that standpoint only, um, it kind of makes me worry to play him, but it's Lamar Jackson. So have at it if you want to pay the AK for him. Um, outside of that, let's, you know, we can just touch on some of our favorite plays at the position. Uh, I would love for, I think there's he got taken off of the injury report, but we're still waiting to monitor that for Devontae Parker. But Ryan Fitzpatrick at 6K going against Cincinnati, um, he, he's he been in full DGAF mode too. 41 attempts against the Giants, uh, 37 against the Jets, 39 against Philly, 39 against Cleveland. Um, with so many injuries and everything to the running game for Miami, um, they've really just, you know, let Ryan Fitzpatrick go out there and do his thing. And it, it's kind of, you know, paid off dividends. He's had over 20 DK points in three of his past four matchups. I, I love Devontae Parker in this spot with a stack. They were just in a crazy uh, game stack with the Giants on the road. And this is another uh, matchup where we have two pretty terrible defenses going against each other. I don't mind Andy Dalton on the other side, but um, with, Fitzpatrick having Devontae Parker out there. I just love that stack. Um, The other guy that I really like this week is Russell Wilson going against Arizona. Uh, We have the flow chart play with with Hollister, Um, even though there's no Josh Gordon there. I think it's a great matchup for for Tyler Lockett to kind of get in play. Um, And Russell, he's kind of really since week nine hasn't really shown much of anything. Um, but Kyler somehow is able to keep, you know, keep his team in games with Arizona, not really getting blown out to start games, so to speak, to begin with. So if this game is able to stay close, I, I really like Russell Wilson in this matchup. Um, 
who comes in at just a thousand dollars less than Lamar Jackson. Um, and like I said, if you're going cheap, uh, Andy Dalton on the other side of that of that game, he's come back and really, you know, New England, he put up six. OK, it's New England and they were blown out. Um, but other than that, he, the attempts are there. So with Miami being bad and we've targeted quarterbacks against Miami all year long, I think this is a, a plenty right bounce back spot for him. Um, I think he could probably see, you know, upwards to 18 to 20 DK points in this matchup, uh, which would be the highest since his return to being the starter there. Um, I'm not really interested at this point in, in pairing him with anybody. I think it's okay to play him naked because there are a lot of options there. Um, and there is a guy in this matchup that I love just a little bit more, but at 5,200, you know, you could, you could do worse. Uh, I feel like that's really where I'm at right now with quarterbacks. I I do have a little bit of interest in Dak Prescott coming in at 6,400. I know he was banged up. He's got the shoulder injury. It makes me a little weary. But because of just the narrow distribution of targets and what you can do with the Dallas pass game, like going against Philly, another team that we've targeted um, – you know, week after week this year, um, being able to allow points that secondary is atrocious. Dex got about 23 DK points per game that he's averaging. So um, I, I really like him if I can, you know, talk my way into some some lineups there that I feel comfortable with having him. Uh, Kev, I'll start with you on this approach. Quarterback this week, what are you liking? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple different rules of thought here. Um, one, um, if I'm paying down a quarterback, it's Drew Locke. Um, 5600 is a little pricey, but I think at that spot, going against um, going against Detroit, I think that they, you know, Detroit's pass defense has been horrific this year. And, you know, we've seen Drew Locke, you know, last week wasn't so much, but that was such an easy call for me last week with going against uh, Kansas City, you know, on the road in Arrowhead. It was a snow game. Like, that just didn't make any sense to play him. But, like, I feel like this week, you know, this is a real good bounce-back spot for them. You can pair him with Cortland Sutton. I think it's a cheap stack that you can get on. Um, even if you wanted to get a little crazy um, and even play, like, a, I feel like um, somebody like uh, Deshaun Hamilton, for example, who I think saw, like, seven targets last week. But I don't think you have to do that. Or even, in, or I guess, a Noah fan. I, I need to uh, mention him. But, you know, Drew Locke, I think that is somebody that I'm going to be starting with and going to be a staple in a lot of my lineups. Here at 5,600, I know some other people would probably want maybe play Gardner Minshew at 5,500 but I just I don't know I just like this matchup a, a lot for the um for, for the Broncos and um I think Drew Locke can shred this defense and then you know if you're paying up it's hard to get away from Russell Wilson I think uh, I believe he has yeah he has the highest total on this entire slate at 29 you know uh everything matches up it's one of the worst defenses in the league um you know it's also a high-paced um um team that they're going to be going against so like I said they they um I think Russ is, but I will I will agree with you that if you look at Russ, like he really hasn't been good again, uh, really even viable since week week nine against the Bucks. So, um, mm-hmm. but I but I think that's also going to depress his ownership some here, and people are going to rather play like a Drew Brees, and I think Drew Brees is the biggest trap there is. Um, Drew Brees on the if you look at their home road <laughs> splits, they are startling. Now that we don't have a huge sample size this year to go off of because of the games that he's missed, but. I do not think that Drew Brees is in a good spot here against this Tennessee defense. I know Tennessee's defense and the secondary is a little banged up, but I feel like this is a game where they lean more on the run and they do not have to throw the ball as much. And so I don't love this spot for Drew Brees at 6,900. But since you mentioned, why do you disagree? So the, the 
the big piece for me is uh, uh, Dory Jackson is out. And if you look at with him off the field, so he's played 547 snaps and he's not been on the field for 417 snaps. So you've got pretty close to a 50-50 split here. Uh, the past success rate with him off the field jumps from 48% to 61%. And then the explosive pass rate with him off the field jumps from 13% to 19%. So you're getting a very inefficient Tennessee defense that is not only inefficient against the pass, they're, they've been a pass funnel all year. Um, they rank in the bottom, I want to say it's the bottom 18% in pass attempts faced. Um, and they're a top 5 to 10 run defense. So if the Saints are going to have any success in this game, it's going to be through Drew Brees. And we've kind of seen – I don't know if Kamara still still dealing with an ankle injury or, or what, but he's just he's just not been as involved this year, um, especially in the red zone. His, his red zone touch or opportunities per game is, is about half of what it was last year. So um, it, it's very interesting that they've just kind of relied on, on the right arm of Drew Brees this, this season – uh, and, and not really relied on the running backs like they have in the past. So, um, again, I think it's a it's a pass funnel spot. I know it's outdoors, but, I mean, Brees played for the Chargers for a, a good period of time of yeah. his career before he moved <laughs> to New Orleans. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to weigh the, the outdoor stuff too heavily. Um, but also the fact that Ryan Tannehill has been so good the last few weeks on the other side, it, he's he's got the ability to, pit, to push uh, Brees – in a shootout, a potential shootout. So, um, because the Saints, the Saints themselves are also a pass funnel. They're, they're one of the top run defenses in the NFL. Um, we know Henry's been dealing with a hamstring issue, but he still plays every week, and he's been really, really good. But it's it's been under understated how just how good Tannehill has been as well. Um, he's arguably been the most efficient quarterback um, in the NFL ever since he's started started taking over for the Titans. So. I think that that game is really sneaky to shoot out. And with Breeze being $100 cheaper than Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is, is playing Arizona at home, um, I, I think you're going to get Breeze at, at essentially no ownership. And he's kind of been – he's been the, the driving factor for the Saints this year. So here's so this is why I would disagree with you, is that, one, I think the Saints are going to – handle the Titans pretty easily. If you look at Tannehill, I mean, m- most of what his his, his – most of what he's done has been against pretty bad defenses. Um, granted, the the I, I will get the, the Saints defense. Um, it can be beat through the air. I do think the addition of Janoris Jenkins is going to help that because Janoris Jenkins uh, is, I think, a, a really highly underrated pickup that they had. A lot of people like to trash Janoris Jenkins, but I want to say since like week three or week four, he's been one of the top corners in the league and. I, I think that's going to help, but I, I just don't think the Titans are in the same class a, a, as the Saints, and I don't think they're going to have to throw the ball that much. And so that's where my biggest concern with Drew Brees is. It's not that I think this is a bad, necessarily as bad of a matchup is, is so much as I just don't think he's going to have to throw the ball that much. And at that price tag, I think there's there's guys that are, that are just a lot, I think that are much clearer paths to be able to get there. And I think he's more of a in that range for me, where I feel like his ceiling this week is like eighteen to twenty, um, or maybe eighteen to twenty-two, somewhere or somewhere right around there. Versus a week where I feel like that he can go out and drop forty. Now he can do that every week. I get that, but I just don't think that's really in the range of outcomes this week, just because of this matchup. I don't think we know Tennessee does want want to try to run the ball, and I think if Tennessee, and I think that's going to be their game plan if they can, is to keep the ball out of, out of Drew Brees' hands and out of this offense's hands. And so with all that, like I just don't think this is a great matchup for him, and. 
I just will have no interest in Drew Brees. Yeah, no, that, that's valid. I guess my my counterpoint to your counterpoint is we've seen a couple instances this year where, uh, well, last week, for example, uh, Saints won 34 to seven. Drew Brees scored 31 DK points, threw for 307 yards and, and four touchdowns. Uh, week eight against Arizona, they won 31 to nine. He threw for 373 and three. Um, so it's it's a matter of it's just kind of been the Saints game plan to, to throw the football um, as opposed to, hey, even if we're up, we're going to run. I mean, Breeze's attempts have, have been in the, the upper to, upper 30s to low 40s on a, on a game-by-game basis. So um, I, I guess I'm just playing the card of I really don't care what the Titans do on the other side. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we get that the, the San Francisco-type game where – Tannehill comes out and pushes the Saints like Jimmy G did in, in the Superdome, um, then you get that that potential 40-point game. But if they don't, if they if the Titans score seven points, you you still got the the 28 to 30 point DK upside with Breeze just because that's just how the Saints have moved the ball on offense this year. Well, I mean, last week I felt like was like that was the most obvious of obvious times that they were going to throw the ball because of Drew Brees' record uh, that he was trying to get. Every time that's happened, that's exactly how they've come out and handled it. And it was they were made it clear that they were trying to get him that that record no matter what in that game. But that, but regardless, I mean, like I said, I just I, I just fear in this game that you're going to see the Saints get up quickly and. I think Ryan Tannehill, for one, and A.J. Brown, where I think people are going to want to run it back with, if they want to go with, I think is the biggest trap in the world. Um, I want no part of that. And I, I, in general, I just feel like that this game can be a – it just feels like a trap to me. It feels like a game where I, I feel like the Saints pretty much handled this pretty pretty easily. I think the Titans are kind of a, a fraud. And I, I think this is one of the first times we've seen in a while that they've actually they're actually been going up against a d- good defense. And I, like I said, I think the additions of Janoris Jenkins is going to help that pass funnel, similar to what we saw last year whenever they added Eli Apple, and it kind of changed their their secondary. Uh, you know, they were kind of a defense that we always wanted to target because they were a pass funnel, and then they added you know with the addition of Eli Apple, it kind of changed everything. I feel very similar about this matchup or with this addition of Janoris Jenkins here, and so. I don't know. Like, I feel like now, you know, with, with his addition that I think you can push Eli Apple into the slot and then who else are they going to throw to on that other side? So I don't know. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a fish, but <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. But I, like I said, I just feel like there's some other ways you can go <laughs> that, I, you know, I would rather play Matt Ryan, who's cheaper. I'd rather play Dak Prescott, who's cheaper. You know, I'd rather play Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's uh, remarkably cheaper. Um, so you know, like I said, uh, I see the point, and I see I see how it could go. And if it does end up where the the Titans are able to go, then yeah, I think you're going to have to have Drew Brees. But I'm not saying full fade Drew Brees, but I just I probably will have very little. Maddie, would playing Drew Brees on any lineup? Are you playing Michael Thomas in 100 percent of those lineups? Yeah, if you if you play Brees, I think you have to play Michael Thomas. Okay, um, that's I just I just wanted to clarify that for everybody because that's. 16,000 of your salary right there or so I I mean and we'll get get to it with running back so I guess if you wanted to do that you could easily do it because I think with running back this week I think once you get down into the 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 6k range like it's pretty it's a pretty sweet spot down there in that range where you could pay down a running back a little bit and still be able to pay up in the other position so yeah so just to give you a quick glance at red zone targets this year Michael Thomas leads the Saints with 23. The next highest is 13, and that's Kamara. So he's got 10 more than the next guy. Yeah, if you if you if you're banking on a four to five touchdown game from Breeze, you have to assume one or two of them goes to Michael Thomas. 
Yeah, no, that that's that's fair. Um, Maddie, talk to us real quick about what other quarterbacks you're liking, and then Kev, I'll go back to you for last thoughts. Um, I Kev mentioned Matt Ryan. I like Matt Ryan. Um, I need to dig in on it though a little more because Matt Ryan has kind of been volume driven in terms of game script. It's kind of the opposite of Breeze. The, the Falcons, when they get up, they'll they'll run the ball. They're not. They're middle of the pack, I think, in terms of uh, pass rate when when leading by nine or more. Um, so two possession games, uh, whereas they they do lead the NFL in pass attempts. But part of that is because they have played from behind in almost every game that they've been in this year. So um, I, I'm really concerned about the Jacksonville offense on the other side, uh, especially if I, I haven't seen an update on DJ Chark. I don't know if you guys have or not, but um, – yeah, I have not. I was looking for one before the pod, and I didn't see anything. Uh, yeah, so even especially if he's out, man, that that Jacks offense, like we've seen the Jags just just roll over the last four to five weeks, and um, they've essentially just given up. I, I know Minshew is is out there fighting for a job, but I mean he doesn't really have anybody to throw the ball to, and um, Fournette is he's just taking a beating all season long. Is it's almost like his body's finally starting to wear down. Um, on him he's getting really inefficient with his touches I just there's concern for me um, on the run back on the other side so it's Matt if you're playing Matt Ryan though I think you do have to play a Jag and I would probably play Fournette um, if that's the case uh, seeing as Atlanta's been getting worse uh, ever since they made that that personnel change on defense they're playing way more man coverage than they are zone um, and, and it's it's led to running backs having more success on them than they did at the beginning of the year. So um, I, I do think Matt Ryan's interesting, but I, I will throw the caveat in that that you do need to to run it back with a jag if if you're playing him. Um, Chark, I think um, I saw that he is pretty, well. One, he's practicing limited all week, and I think there was a I saw today there was a beat reporter from the Jags said that they, that uh, that the team I think expects him to play, um, but he still he still they still have him listed as questionable. It feels like it makes sense because I feel like this entire probably this entire coaching staff probably feels like their jobs on the line, especially with yeah, this happening with sure. Tom Coughlin. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised you see them uh, when other times you think, well, there's no point in rolling them out there; their season's over with. I think that's why there's a pretty good chance. I think you expect to see DJ Chark back out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and if Chark does play, then that's a boost to the Jags' offense, and and that makes playing Matt Ryan makes make even more sense. So um, I, I do like that call there. My other cheap guy that, that I'm on um, is, is Danny Dimes. Uh, this Washington defense mm-hmm. is going to be without basically all of their starting corners, uh, minus Josh Norman. He's going to play, but uh, their other two starting corners are projected to be out. Uh, so you've got backup bad cornerbacks that are backing up bad starting cornerbacks. So it's it's if, if the Giants want uh, Jones to throw the ball a lot, and he's going to have a ton of success here and. Um, we, we've seen him have some spike weeks, and he's got rushing upside uh, with his mobility. Um, so I, I think it's the one concern with him, though, is, is I could see Saquon having a, a really big day on the ground as well. So yeah. um, it's definitely a, more of a tournament play than anything, but I think he's he's very interesting, and I think he should have uh, very good efficiency through the air. And even if you're not playing him, I, I like the Giants pass catchers. So. Um, I think he's interesting at five nine. Did the news come out that he was going to be the starter before DraftKings set the pricing? Like, I'm confused how he's five nine. This no, week. it came out. It, it, no, I mean, news came out after, later this week. I think it was like Tuesday, whenever they came out that yeah. he was going to return. So yeah, okay. the pricing had already been out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because Eli's five so, seven, so I, I would I would I would love him if he was like five two or five one. This is bullshit. Um, but go ahead, Kev. I don't necessarily disagree. Like I see the path to it, and it's, and it's a great matchup. This is just a tough week for quarterback because like there's not a ton that is like stands out to you. It's like okay, this is a smash play. I think exactly. there's a few at the top, and then there's a couple you know in the lower six, and then from there you know you have to really want to play like a Carson Wentz or I mean I think like I would want to play Philip Rivers going against Oakland, you know, at 5700. But man, I mean I, I don't know what to expect from him on a week to week basis and. I just don't think there's a lot, you know. There's a heck of a lot here, so I don't mind the the, the Daniel Jones, especially with the fact that, that he is able to pick up yards on on the ground um, with his legs. And so, I will be interested to see how mobile they are, how how mobile he is in this game because he is coming off that ankle injury. But I mean, we've seen it in this this year. I mean, 27 yards, 12, 20 yards, 54 yards against Dallas. So I think that's another caveat to his game that I think that that make him a little bit more appealing. Yeah, and I will say too that with his injury thing, I don't think I don't think the Giants would even risk it um, if if he was even close to being somewhat high risk of of a re injury or something. You know, um, I mean, I know it's just like a sprained ankle, which isn't really that big of a deal, anyways. But I mean, it's week sixteen; they're they've got three wins, and um, he's the rookie quarterback, and they know Eli's on his way out after this year. So um, I don't think it, if it was anything serious. Um, that's why I'm not really too concerned about it. So, what is your guys' thoughts on Kyler this week? Uh, he was pretty popular last week. A lot of people uh, really liked him last week, and then he got he got sniped by Kenyon Drake's four touchdowns. Um, but you know, Seattle's a defense that has you know been vulnerable through the air, and we've seen a lot of quarterbacks put up big numbers against them, whether it's at home or on the road. It doesn't really matter that much. But do you guys have any interest in Kyler Murray this week? Uh, you know, coming off a, a pretty good win uh, last week. Uh, against Cleveland, but you know now they are on the road. But you know, sixty-one hundred, you know, and a, and a matchup that that does profile a little bit to what looks to be like uh, could end up being a shootout here. Do you guys like Kyler at sixty-one hundred? Because that, that still feels a little bit too cheap in this matchup. I, I can't play him if Kirk's out. I did just see something on Kirk. Hold on, let me try to pull that up. Yeah, I, I think I think it sounded like, if I remember correctly, last I looked, it sounded like he was a little <laughs> bit more on the. He's a, not he's a game day decision. Yeah, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, Kirk, Kirk needs to be out there for me. A 6-1, I, I, Kev, it's, I, to me, that's too expensive, really. Uh, I mean, we haven't really seen the rushing. Uh, uh, we haven't seen him rush as much um, in the past couple of weeks. It, he's still – it just – you. I played him last week, so I, I might just be, you know, over him, I guess, at this point. Uh, because I, I loved the spot for him last week. And you just, you watch him out there and he, he looks flustered. He just is still kind of learning, um, you, you know, similarly to what Dwayne Haskins is out there doing um, with just more rushing ability. Uh, but Seattle, you know, they can definitely control this game at home. And, you know, they, they really... They're they're an opportunistic defense. So if Kyler's going to be giving them something, I can you know I could definitely see them get a couple turnovers on on him and and really just you know scheme ways to just make it frustrating and actually force him to throw because this is not a team that's just going to let Kenyon Drake go out there and go bananas as he did last week. Like they're going to shut that shit down um, in Seattle. So to be fair, they're going to put him on his hands. Go ahead. I was going to say, to be fair, he did rush eight times last week for 56 yards. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it, it, you know, are those design plays or are they, are they broken plays? Um, 
which I I don't know off the top, but it does seem like that they are trying to force him more in the pocket in recent weeks to, to develop him more so as a passer. Um, and I don't know if we can bank on that rushing upside every week as, as we're able to do with guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Um, it, it, it's six one. I, I just, I like, I'd rather play a Carson Wentz that was just brought up a little bit ago for a little bit cheaper going against the Dallas team. They're, they're playing for the division here. Uh, both of these teams are, are pretty solid against the run. Um, and Carson Wentz has been putting up 20 DK points. Like it's his job for the past couple of weeks, starting out slowly, mind you, um, where he's only gotten, you know, not even a touchdown in these first halves of some of these games. And so uh, just it, it, Kirk would need to be out there first for me to even consider him, but I still think it just is kind of, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's, it's also uh, Kyler's first start ever in Seattle, which can be tough, tough place to play. Not saying Seattle defense has been the, the normal defense we're used to. Uh, they've kind of been kind of bad this year, actually. And Clowney's out this week as well. But, I mean, again, a rookie playing in Seattle for his first time, um, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing with, Win- with Wentz, too, is Lane Johnson's out. So, that's uh, – yeah. he's, he's important to them. So, But this is, this is for the division. For yeah, I, no, I get it. I, I just think all the stuff that's come out on that game, Lane Johnson's out, Dak's got a shoulder issue. I've just maybe, – maybe I'm overreacting, but I, I've just take, kind of taken that game and thrown it in the toilet. Um, and I've just kind of said, you know what, if, if those two air attacks burn me, Wentz burns me with, without Lane Johnson, without Alshon Jeffrey, without Nelson Aguilar, if he burns me with, with Ward and Godare, um, and at, without Lane Johnson, then so be it. Um, that I'll just, I'll live with that. But I think the Dallas front has been playing much, much better as of late. Uh, they've really improved their, their defensive line play, especially against the run. So Especially with Lane Johnson out, man, I, I think I think Demarcus Lawrence is gonna he's gonna cause some havoc in that backfield. And we've seen Wentz play some good games, but it's also been against some bad competition as well. So, um, not saying Dallas defense has been good because they they haven't been. They're, they've actually been really bad. But uh, <laughs> if there was if there was a spot that the defense could get up, um, I, I think it would be playing for the division. So, yeah. That 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 that's that is my concern mainly with that game. It's a scary game to to target because of because of that and because it is for the basically it's for you know it's it's like a playoff game and so I think it's gonna be hard to tough. But you know the, the other one I guess we didn't really talk about and I think is really you could talk about the entire game is uh, this uh, I mean may, might be the best game on the entire slate and we haven't even talked about it and that is the Miami Dolphins against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean this one is gonna be super exciting, but. Andy Dalton is only 5,200 going against the Miami. The first thing I brought up, Kev. Okay. So, first thing I brought up. Well, I'm just first saying. First thing I brought up. I, wasn't, I, I probably wasn't first listening. First thing I brought up. It's just yeah. it's, it's part of the course here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, do you guys have any interest in Andy Dalton? 5,200? Go ahead, Maddie. It's also uh, just looking at preliminary weather forecasts. Obviously, things change. But sustained winds around 15 with gusts in 25 to 30 mile an hour range. So, um, we know people like to overreact to weather, so just keep an eye on that. You may get it at lower ownership than than you uh, than you should. Uh, I'm, I'm heavy. I'm interested in John Ross this week, so we can talk about him and wide receiver. But um, I, I do I do agree. It's it's a good spot for for both uh, both passing attacks. 
barring weather. Is this the first time all year that the Bengals have been uh, favored in a game? I, think I would assume so. <laughs> the first time since week two, week one, two, or three. <laughs> well, I know they weren't week that's one because sure. week one was uh, the glorious, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the glorious um, Seattle game where Andy Dalton yeah. threw for 400 yards. Yeah, that was. I don't know. I, I, at 5,200, I mean, I think that one is uh, an interesting yeah. spot, though he has been chalk earlier this year. Uh, um, a couple weeks ago, and that did not work out. So, <laughs> Shocker, right? Chalk Andy Dalton didn't work. I don't really feel like he's um, chalked this week, though, even though he's going against Miami. I mean, there's not a lot of people talking about him. So, I don't know. I think uh, old Andy Dalton here in this matchup, you know, pair him with uh, – I think Tyler outside Burke. of the guys at the top, you're going to see some pretty flat ownership because it's just a lot of, like you guys said, it's a lot of just average spots. Nothing really jumps off the page other yeah. than Russ at Arizona and, and Lamar, and those are the guys you got to pay the two highest prices for. No, for sure. Let, I mean, it's going to be about the the skill positions here, so let, let's hit on it um, as we move into running backs and, and wide receivers. So um, at running backs, you know, let's just talk about some of our, our favorite plays at the position. Uh, we got Christian McCaffrey up at the top. He's 10-1. Um, Will, Greer, Will Greer will be the starter there um, in Indy. I, I have very little interest in uh, targeting uh, any any type of Carolina exposure from this game, but it is Christian McCaffrey. I probably will have – I'm just going to ballpark like 10 to 15% exposure because it is him. Um, and, I, you know, Indy's not in the – in the mix or routine of blowing out teams. So uh, maybe they're able to keep it close. And if they are, it's going to be because of McCaffrey. So I could have some term exposure to him, but not, definitely not a place that I'm looking for. Um, Saquon Barkley, 8-3. Um, Kev's been talking about him all year. We didn't pod last week, so we missed the ultimate bananas. Saquon Barkley bounce back game, but uh, 33 DK points there. He put up. He's back with Danny Dimes here. Um it's a great matchup for him, uh, if, especially if he's getting the attempts like he saw. Uh, first time he saw over 20 all year, actually. So, you know, that's definitely encouraging. Um, they're definitely, you know, still utilizing him. Um, and if we can get, you know, maybe Terry McLaurin on the other side going deep and keeping this game close, definitely love Saquon Barkley at that price. But let's go down to a guy like Joe Mixon. He's 6,600. Uh, this is a guy who I have a lot of shares of and or did have a lot of shares of in regular season fantasy and have not played him at all really much in DFS and has been pretty much matchup proof. These past two games have been incredible. 136 against New England on the road against Cleveland, uh, 146 and a touchdown. And he's priced up to match it. And Miami's been giving up points and bunches to the running back position all year. So I I definitely think, you know, Mixon is somebody that I want a lot of ex- exposure to or a majority of my exposure to in the running back position. It was, you know, a little alarming when he came up on the injury report earlier this week. So I definitely want to hear a little bit more about that. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's definitely a good starting point here when you talk about that game. And, you know, if Andy Dalton is able to move the ball there in the red zone, they're going to give the ball uh, to Joe Mixon there. So definitely love him. Um, where are we scrolling down here? So there's two guys in the 6K range that that I like a lot, and that's Marlon Mack and Austin Eckler. Um, I'll start with Eckler first because I think Mack is a smash play. <clears throat> but Austin Eckler, with the targets that he's seeing, he's still able to be relevant. Um, and Philip Rivers has just relied on him a lot. 
um, kind of, you know, it, it seems like they're definitely carving out some type of role to where they're doing this dual back thing with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon just fumbled the ball twice last week. So not saying he's going to be in the doghouse, but there's definitely room for Eckler to see more touches here in this Oakland team that, you know, they, they've allowed a lot to the wide receiver position. But if Austin Eckler is going to be out there catching passes, I think he can get loose and have a respectable game. Uh, he is six one, so you're you're spending a lot more money on him than I would like. But because of the matchup and because of his role in the offense, I think it could make sense in GPPs um, to you know to kind of be contrarian on a play like Marlon Mack, who who's in a smash spot um, this week against Carolina. Carolina has been getting abused all year. On the ground, they allow like 23, I think 23 rushing touchdowns um, and the next closest team allows like nine less. So Marlon Mack in this spot should eat. But because he doesn't catch passes on DK, it definitely, you know, concerns me to have a majority of my exposure to him. But the matchup on paper just looks great. So I love that. Um DeAndre Washington, 4K, lock button. We could talk about that, I guess, uh, because he's going to see work. And the last time Jacobs missed, he was heavily utilized in the passing game. I think he saw uh, six catches, which is very encouraging. Um, Had 50 yards on the ground to touchdown. So definitely like him. The other guy that I'll touch on real quickly, uh, Maddie, before I toss it to you, is Philip Lindsay. Phil Lindsay comes in at 5,300. This is a matchup against Detroit that we've targeted all year. He is, you know, really has a hold on the backfield now. Royce Freeman has been non-existent. He's had, you know, a couple of tough matchups here. I mean, you know, it kind of disappointed, I think, in the Chargers game. We expected a little bit more on the road against Houston. He was able to find a score, which made it respectable. But then Buffalo Week 12, KC Week 15, um, that that's really been kind of holding him back. But I think we could get, you know, Philip Lindsay at less than 10% ownership this week in a, in a game that's really respectable. Kev, you talked about Drew Locke, but I think this is this is the play that I want on the Denver side here um, at that price tag. I, I've been playing Philip Lindsay a lot um, this year, just in, in good matchups because he has the control um, o- over that backfield and, you know, out snapping and out rushing Royce Freeman in every capacity of the past couple of weeks. So uh, that's the last play that I'll talk about. Maddie, where are you at with running backs this week? Yeah. So, so I agree with a lot of, a lot of your calls um, just to throw a couple random notes out there on a couple of these guys. So with McCaffrey, um, Indy's been pretty good against, uh, against the run itself, but um, with Will Greer, and I, I want to say he targeted the running back position almost 30% of the time in the preseason. So I'd expect McCaffrey to be heavily utilized once again in the pass game, despite the uh, the change at quarterback. Um, Saquon, an awesome spot against Washington. Uh, I was I was all over Miles Sanders last week um, at literally 1% ownership against Washington. So it's the same exact matchup for Saquon and, and think he's in a really good spot there. Um, moving down the list, I, I mentioned Fournette in, an, in a stack if you're running uh, ATL on the other side. Um, I like him. Uh, Nick Chubb is interesting to me. I really like Nick Chubb this week. Uh, Baltimore is, is third to last in terms of allowing um, yards to the running back position. Uh, carries over 10-plus over yards. So 
they've gotten absolutely torched by explosive running backs who can hit the home run. And that's exactly what Nick Chubb is. Um, we don't think it, think it, but he's actually one of the fastest running backs in the NFL. So at his size and speed, and he, we know he's got the home run threat and can take it to the house anytime. And we actually saw Chubb in Baltimore had his, had his best fantasy game of the, of the year ran for 165 yards on 20 carries with three touchdowns. Um, and, and he's still catching a couple passes a game, usually only two to three targets a game. But, um, I mean, you're really playing him here for the, for the rushing matchup upside. And uh, he's competing for, uh, for the rushing title. So currently leads the league in rush yards. And um, there's been some chatter in terms of uh, interviews this week that they, they know that Chubb's leading the league and they – They've all commented, and the coach has commented, saying it would be awesome to get him that title. So um, while Chubb is not openly saying, I want the title, everybody around him is kind of kind of rooting for him. So um, I think that spot at home against Baltimore, who – and part of, the, part of the reason is everybody's like, oh, well, Baltimore gives up a bunch of, bunch of rushing yards because they're up by 40, and they don't care about the run. They want to stop the pass, and they just play back a little bit. Well – if they're up by 40 against Cleveland, isn't, isn't Cleveland just going to hand the ball to Nick Chubb and let him just get a bunch of yards? Like, it's the same thing. Like, I don't understand right. why, why you're arguing against Chubb by presenting that fact. So, um, I, I really do like Chubb, and nobody's going to play him this week. So, um, he's going to be one of my main guys at, at very, very low ownership. Um, Mixon, I, I saw reports on Mixon saying he's good to go uh, for this weekend. So, that alleviates any concerns that we had yesterday on his calf. So, He's another guy that, that I'm just going to not overthink and, and just play him. He's been one of the best running backs uh, in the league over the last couple of weeks. So um, absolutely love Joe Mixon at that, that, that suppressed price as well. 6.6 against Miami just doesn't really make sense. Um, and I think Kenyon Drake is not really a chase this week. Uh, Seattle, they've, they've given up decent production to opposing running backs. So um, we mentioned Seattle defense not being as great this year that they'll still give up production to, to the opposing side. And we've seen Kenyon Drake have some really good games um, in, in decent matchups so far this year against uh, San Fran. And then um, last week um, against Cleveland. So um, outside of the really tough matchups that, that Drake has had uh, facing Pitt, the Rams, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, he's, he's done very, very well with, with Arizona. So um, I, I'm going to play Drake this week too. And uh, that's probably, I mean, I guess, I think Washington's more of a cash play than he is a tournament play. I don't know in this matchup if he has the ceiling to get me there at what his ownership is going to be. I just don't, I, I haven't decided what I'm going to do with him yet. I It'll probably end up being, what do my builds look like? And do I get to, do I need a 4K guy? Um, like in the flex or something. And, and if that's the case, then I probably just play him because of his volume. Um, but I don't think as of right now, I don't think he's going to be like, okay, let me start with, with Deandre Washington in my build and kind of go from there. I don't, I don't think he's that much of a lot curious to, to hear um, Kev's take on that, on him. Depends on the, which way you're looking at it because I think, I feel like with price included, it's hard to really get away from him. He's at a decent price this week, and I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, I think that, like, like you guys, are, like you already mentioned, that uh, you know, with his um, involvement in the passing game, I mean, he's four K. I mean, how do you, 
<laughs> you not want to play somebody? That, I mean, that is about as you know. And I, I guess this, this Chargers defense, I'm not really worried about it. But like like you guys mentioned, I mean, he has kind of been the pass catching back between him and Rashard, but he's received pass catching duties, you know. And if he's going to see that, you know, and you know, seven targets, you know, week 14, whenever he played, they played against Tennessee, which wasn't a great matchup because I mean, Tennessee's run defense is pretty solid, but he still had 14 for 53 and a touchdown. Then he had the six receptions for 43 yards, and I feel like this is a game that they're going to be trailing. Um, against the Chargers, so I think it'll be another home game for the Raiders because that's just kind of how the Chargers uh, all home games are for them, and with Oakland not being too far away, so I don't know. I 4K DeAndre Washington is going to be real tough to get away from, but it's going to be interesting to see where his ownership comes in at because likely going to be uh, pretty high. I think people will look at him kind of like a free square this week. But my my concern, so just to just to kind of talk about it. My concern with Washington is we've seen we've seen Josh Jacobs go for 20 DK points, what, three times this year? And, I mean, Jacobs is a much better running back. I know running backs don't matter, but, um, like, he's not this slam dunk to get you 20-plus points. And if he's not getting me 20-plus points, am I taking down tournaments with him? Like, in cash play, in cash, cash games, just play the guy, like, the volume is too good for the price, and the matchup's not – it's not a horrible matchup. So I guess my, the way I'm approaching it is is how do you approach it in tournaments? And so if his, if his ownership is going to be out of control, I mean, we've seen Josh Jacobs in this offense catered to Josh Jacobs. His highest point totals are 20, 24, 32, and 27. Every other game has been below 20 DK points for Jacobs. Yeah, so but like, I think – but you're not – but see, the, the difference between at least – we only have a one-game sample size for this year to really go off of, but the, the difference between Jacobs and Washington is that with Jacobs, like, they just never really utilized them much as a pass catcher, and – it's been it's been you know it's been kind of the opposite with Washington. Like Washington has received you know um, uh, targets pretty much all year, even though you know he hasn't been seeing the field as much as Josh Jacobs has, but he but he has been seeing targets. And so you know, and the, the one game that he started, I mean, like he like and, and that that week, I mean, he was you know three K. And I remember that I mean that a couple weeks ago because I pivoted to a ton of of DeAndre Washington, uh, where you know that was what. Um, there was another guy that week. Who was, who was the free square that week that everybody wanted to play? Um, week 14. I can't remember off the top of my head now. But yeah, I'm drawing a blank, too. I can't, I can't either. I know. The, the, I, I don't know. It's right there. I'm gonna, it's going to come to me. I'm going to be pissed that I, that I can't think of who it is because I know it was – There was anyways, it was a 4K running back and everybody wanted to play him. But with, with DeAndre Washington, you know, I, I think that, you know, you know, you look at he had three targets last week, seven, three, one. Like, I mean, he's been involved in the passing game too, too. I mean, not huge numbers, but I think that you see that. I think you probably see him get six to seven targets again this week. And if he's going to get that along with 15 attempts, if he's going to have over 20, uh, 20 touches at 21, you know, at 4K in a, in a pretty decent matchup, I mean, the Chargers are not great against the run by any means. So I'm not really worried about that factor. So. I don't know. I think it's hard to get away from that at that price tag at 4K. Like, it, you know, it'd be one thing if it was like, I think last week they had him priced up at like 48 because we didn't know if Josh Jacobs was going to play. But now, I mean, he's down at 4K. And I don't, I mean, I don't think there's any running back that's really anywhere close to him that I think that you could really make an argument uh, for, you know, you know, if you'd want to play him or not. It was, it was below Powell, by the way. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, there you right, go. Right. Yeah, it was Blau Pow Week. Okay, okay, okay. Do but, we know? Do we know that they're gonna not involve Richard in the past game? Is that have they like said they're gonna no, kind of push him out? 
he's going to be involved. I, I mean, he's going to get opportunities, but because that I mean, Tennessee game, like you're talking about, Washington saw seven targets and Richard only saw three, and they lost by they lost forty two to twenty one. So they were playing behind the whole time. Like, is that a, is that a new norm? Like, is Washington going to see all these targets? If so, then then he's a lock at that price. But I guess my concern too is, do we know for a fact that that's how they're going to split the care? That that's how they're going to split the role, or was it just a one like you said a one game sample? Because um, well, I could two, see Rashard easily remember, getting eight to nine targets. The Titans game, though, you have to go back and remember that that game was, if I remember correctly, it was much closer. Uh, for most of the game, and the Titans pulled away at the end because, if I remember correctly, wasn't the wasn't the Raiders winning at halftime? I think, or was it tied? Or maybe <clears throat> I'm trying to remember. I, I feel like that's the way that that game went. Um, but then they kind of pulled away late. So it's going to depend on if you think that the Chargers can can crush them here. Because um, if they don't, yeah, where <clears throat> yeah, and so if they don't, like I feel like that this the but everything lines up for you know DeAndre Washington to to kind of be that guy. And so again, like this feels somewhat like a similar situation to kind of what Kenyon Drake was last week, where nobody wanted to play Kenyon Drake last week, despite the fact that he was getting so many so much volume. Now, granted, there's a much bigger sample size with Kenyon Drake last week compared to what we have this week with DeAndre Washington, and I think he's going to be much obviously much popular down in that you know because of, we already know that Josh Jacobs is out, but. It's just hard to get away from a running back who's 4K who likely sees 20 touches. It's going to be hard for him not to get to 20, in my opinion, unless they just get completely hammered right out the gate. No, I, I get it. I completely get it. I guess just just like some things that I'll have to decide um, just from looking at salaries and all that. Like if you get down to the flex and you got 4,200, um, are you playing Washington or are you playing a guy like John Ross who we've seen with 25 to 35 DK point upside this year? Those what do you are just guys, kind of the just, decisions you'll have to make. What do you guys project that his ownership is going to be in tournaments? Washington? Yeah. Washington? 25%. More than that. Plus, That's yeah. what I was going to say. I, I was I like, man, that, if it's 25%, I'm hammering him in. <laughs> but because I, I feel like you, you could probably see him in the 4 to 5K range. Or four, four to five. 40, 40 yeah. to 50%, if not more. He, he, won't, he, won't, he won't reach 50 in, in big field tournaments. Maybe, maybe single entries. Uh, but he'll, maybe he'll that's be, fair. Maybe that's I, fair. I, yeah, you're probably right. I would put it at. Say it again. No, I, I think that's fair. You're probably right. And then and large field, yeah. you probably see him at because I, I, I always think it's going to be higher be than what it typically is, and it, I think it'll probably be like 35. percent That's probably where I put it. That's what. Yeah, I was going to say that in the this slant here, like 35 percent, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that because like like we talked about at QB, like everybody's going to want to play Lamar and Russ if they can, and how do you do that? You just plug in DeAndre Washington. Yeah. So, I mean, even 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 just think about it, Maddie, just from an overall perspective, like, I mean, we even and I won't even consider myself a, a tout, so to speak. But like the first thing I do is I'm looking at injury. Like, where are the plays and what can I do at injury report? Like, that's just normal DFS, like who's in, who's out. That's the same thing with Broussard Perryman on the Saturday slate. So the most people are going to come into this and just be like, all right, I don't want to think about anything else. Let me just know right now, DeAndre Washington is the starter. How much is he? 4K? Perfect. Let me put him in. So that's where people are going to start their lineups. And he plays in the late, late slate of games. So like you're saying, Matt, if you if you can build your lineup around the areas that you want to target and then just say, okay, what am I left with? Is that good enough to be 
a DeAndre Washington or is there some other pivot that I can get to? I do think that makes sense in tournaments, but you know, you can't start any cash game lineup without him. Uh, And really in a single entry lineup, you have to just ask yourself, like, what is, what are you going to miss out on uh, here with, with him? And I, and I just think, it's going against the Chargers in LA on the road like this. This dude is gonna fall into double-digit DK points. It's just a matter of is he gonna get you know fifteen to eighteen? Is he gonna get twenty to twenty-five? Um, I don't know, but the opportunity equity is definitely there. So the other guys that you choose around him better you know pop off in a in a good way. Absolutely, and, and I think you, what the the point you make on. Uh, finding the injuries and, and just who can I replace this starter with? Um, it, it's important to, to kind of think about what has the starter done, um, which is something I, I myself got burned on earlier this year, wanting to, to kind of go in on all in on Brian Hill uh, when he was playing Carolina in the nuts. Oh matchup, God, yeah. And he had what, 10 yards on seven carries and oh, just looking back on, on Devonte Freeman. I mean, Freeman was okay when he played, when he, before he got hurt, but it's not like Freeman was out there smashing 25, 26 DK points a game. He was in like the 15 to 17 range, most games right. like when he was in a good matchup. And so looking back on that, I was like, why did I force in a 4k or whatever it was, Brian Hill? Um, I like the matchup was good and he was going to see 15 or so carries, but I mean, you think about, okay, well, who's he replacing and what kind of success has this guy had? Um, he's a backup to that guy for a reason. It's just like, when you play tournaments, the guy's still got to hit a ceiling for you to, to have a shot. Um, cash is a different ball game. You just put, you play the volume and, and move on at the cheap price. But I mean, tournaments, right. you, you still got to have everybody hit um, their ceiling for you to have a shot to take down tournaments. And if you're not playing tournaments for the shot at taking them down, then, then you need to just play cash games. So um, that's just kind of my, my thinking. And yes. I'm glad you brought that if, point up. If you're playing Washington in the tournament, you have to be convinced that this dude can get you 25 to 30. I mean, that that's essentially in a tournament lineup like the slant. I, I, every guy that I'm playing, and, I, you know, this clearly doesn't happen, but any guy that I'm playing in my process is leading to, I'm coming up with ways on how they can get 25 fantasy points. Correct. And if you don't, if, if you think Washington is, is a good play and he's going to get, you know, around 15 or so, that's great. But like, he needs to smash to, you know, really win you one of these big old tournaments that you're going to be entering. If you're playing, you know, head to heads or you're playing single entry lineup and anything like that, like that's one thing. But um, these big field tournaments where it's 500K to first or a million to first or, you know, 100,000 people in the, in the tournament field, like you got to be damn well sure that he's going to get you there. Even if it's like even if you're playing the, the $12 single, that's like 12,000 people. I mean, that's still a massive field for you to be. That's a lot of co- lineup combinations you have to beat. Um, right, so right. I think fading a, a, a guy who's not as likely to hit a, a tournament winning ceiling at high ownership makes a ton of sense in those kinds of tournaments. But like you said, you're playing a thousand person or less single entries or um, three mans or those types of, of, of things. Then absolutely, I think you can have Washington in your build. Um, it's just a matter of you got to understand the type of tournament you're playing and how you can leverage that on the field in terms of likely outcomes. For sure. Kev, what else do you see in that running back before we uh, move it on here? 
Well, I, I pretty much agree with a lot of the ones that you guys already had, so I'm not going to go rehash through some of those. But I think the only two that – well, one is Chris Carson at 8500 He is expensive. He's the second-highest priced quarterback or running back. But the only thing I was going to say with him is just the volume. You guys may have already hit on him. But the, the other one that I don't know if I've heard, and that's Miles Sanders. And the reason I – I think Miles Sanders is the best player on the entire slate, in my opinion. And, and at least with, with price included. Um, 6,400, he's averaging, I think, over the last four weeks, 22 touches a week. The Dallas defense can be beat on the ground. We, we know that for sure. He's involved in the passing game as well. I mean, just go back the last four weeks, six, five, 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 and five targets. You know, and I know some people say, well, it's point chasing. I mean, last week he went off for 38.2. But in a game where, where the Philly needs this, they are at home. I just think Miles Sanders is a smash play, especially with the, the amount of volume that he's seeing. And unless Jordan Howard comes back, which I, I don't think is going to happen. I don't know if he's even been cleared for contact yet, but I absolutely love Miles Sanders, even at 6,400. I think he's a solid leverage play off of Joe Mixon, you know, and some of these other guys that are kind of right around him. Kenyon Drake as well at 6,300. Um, I just think he's a solid leverage. And, you know, price per dollar, I, I think he's the best, I, one of the best, my, one of my favorite, if not the most, my most favorite play on the slate. Yeah, I, I like Sanders too a lot, Kevin. I think it comes in from his pass catching ability. I mean, the the Cowboys have been pretty decent at stopping the running backs on the ground from that perspective. But, you know, they gave up a big game to Dalvin Cook in the passing game, like Devin Singletary on Thanksgiving. He was able to get there because he got the receiving touchdown uh, and had a couple catches for 30 yards there too. So the way that Miles Sanders is used as a pass catching back and knowing how many receivers are banged up for this team, that that's what really intrigues me on him. I, don't, I really don't care about the rushing uh, for him, it's it's the fact that he can be out there catching these passes from once. Um, all right, well, let's move on to wide receiver uh, as we're, we're getting uh, <laughs> into the wee hours of the spot. But uh, receiver position, um, you know, let's talk about our favorite plays here again. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start down the way. And Mike Williams at 5K, uh, it, he's just too cheap. I mean, when you're looking at outside receivers – and what they've done against Oakland, um, you know, I really like that. I think that it's a matchup that, Kev, you and I have talked about um, relentlessly on this podcast of targeting wide receivers against Oakland. Um, he, you know, definitely has um, boom upside. You know, if he's able to get, I mean, Denver, he scored 19 DK points without getting a touchdown. And now the past two weeks, he has gotten that touchdown uh, against Jacksonville and Minnesota. So I really like this matchup. Uh, for Mike Williams this week, he he is way cheaper than he should be. And I'd written down a stat from uh, Scott Barrett too. Uh, so Oakland, it looks like they're yeah bottom four in fantasy points allowed uh, to outside wide receivers, and against the slot, they're ranked top uh, ten. So it could be a, a rougher day for for Keenan Allen. So I, I do like Mike Williams a lot in this matchup. Um, when we scroll up, Marquise Brown has just burned me so many times. Um, but you know, the fact that he did catch this touchdown against the Jets in week 15, um, and you know, if Cleveland can can stay in this game and make it respectable, he's going to be out there running routes. Right. And, and yes, I know Willie Sleeds out there and Miles Boykin and, and things, things like that. But, um, the, the secondary, uh, for Cleveland is going to have a rough time keeping up with, with Marquise Brown. And he's in a similar boat to uh, to A.J. Brown 
where he gets loose, he's gone, he takes a 75-yarder or, or like a Terry McLaurin, and he's definitely paid off on that price tag. So I, I'm not sure how much exposure I'll have to him, but I do like looking at the the Baltimore side and saying, okay, how can I get exposure to this team without having Lamar Jackson? I'll take a shot on Marquise Brown. Um, I, I, there were two guys that I wrote down, uh, Gallup and, and Metcalf, because of their prices. But the more I'm looking into the slate, the more I actually like their counterparts in Cooper and Lockett. So Lockett at 7,600 um, going against Arizona. I, I think he, he's in a fantastic spot. I love that he's coming off of this, you know, eight catch game, 120 yards uh, against Carolina. And Josh, you know, I keep bringing up Josh Gordon, but without him being out, there is going to be snaps and other focus elsewhere. Um, and I do like Jacob Hollister, but I think my my second favorite guy on this team is, is Lockett to, to pair him with or play him without Russ. Uh, and then Amari Cooper, he's he's one of your biggest boomer bust guys that you're going to see. But we've attacked this Philly secondary for so long. And I'm going right back to the well and, and doing it here with Amari Cooper at only 6,700. It, it feels way too cheap uh, for what he can offer you. Went for five and 106 the last time these two teams faced off. Um, even if Dak's shoulder is is somewhat, you know, hindering him a little bit, I, I just still feel like Cooper has enough upside to get there at his price. Um, and, and the injury might not it might not really be bothering him. So I think that suppresses his ownership, um, really, really makes him a nice pivot off of a guy like Devontae Parker, who I'm, I'm definitely interested in and pairing him with uh, Fitzpatrick. But uh, that, that's where I'm looking at and starting with my builds. I'm, I, I'll probably sprinkle in a little Terry McLaurin just because of the upside that he brings. And, um, you know, maybe I can talk myself into a, a sneaky game stack with, with that because I do like Saquon as well, too. Um, other than that, I, I'm not really – seeing all anything else that Sims, you know, if we're talking about a pivot off of DeAndre Washington, Sims just saw 11 targets. Uh, that's Steven Sims for Washington. Uh, and so when you're talking about the wide receiver position and, you know, just being a, a little bit higher equity than those running back positions because of the one point for, for catch there, if, you know, these 11 targets, if those translate into this week, he could he could definitely be a huge value there. So I might I might have some exposure to him as well. Uh, Kev, where are you with wide receiver and what do you like? We don't have to have any conversation about Michael Thomas. I've already kind of said what I felt like about with AJ Brown. It's hard. It's going to be hard. You look at his numbers and the dude, especially over the last four weeks, has been you know arguably the best wide receiver in football. I mean, he's he's averaging over the last four weeks 115 yards per game, which is more than Michael Thomas. It's more than Robbie Anderson or or excuse me, DJ Moore. Sorry. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest, though, I was going to say Robbie Anderson's not too far behind, though. Robbie Anderson's <laughs> at ninety three and a half over the last four games of average uh, yards average per game. So um, he's not that. He's not. He's actually one of the best, uh, better on the last on the, over the last four weeks on the slate. But regardless of that, that's not. The, uh, I meant to say DJ Moore. But um, so it's just tough with AJ Brown, just because I feel like that. I'm surprised no teams yet have, and I feel like this is a game that, that, that we could see it where he gets double teamed and they or and they shadow. He's definitely going to be shadowed. I would I would assume by Marshawn Lattimore, and 
I, I don't love it, but for, so for me, like I love DJ Moore and this matchup against Indy. Um, you know, Indy's a defense you can tack, uh, especially deep. They're 31st against deep passes. They're middle of the road against short. They're 15th against short passes. Um, his weighted opportunity rating, I think, is one of the better on the slate as well. It's top 10 on the slate. You know, with more, you know, the scary thing, obviously, with him is is, is how is this how is he going to translate with a guy like Will Greer? But uh, I do think that he's still going to see his fair share of targets. But at sixty nine hundred, I have no problem going there. Um, you know, kind of going out. I already talked about Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton's one of my favorite plays on the sl- uh, slate as well. At um, at his price tag at sixty two hundred, again, I don't think a lot of people are going to want to play him going against Detroit. Detroit's been awful this year. He's been one of Drew Locke's favorite targets um, since he's uh, taken over as the starting quarterback. Cortland Sutton is fifth in weighted opportunity rating, um, which is target market share combined with air market share or air yards uh, market share. Excuse me. Um, and so, you know, I, I love uh, Cortland Sutton as well in this matchup at home uh, against one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Uh, if I'm looking to kind of save some money here at wide receiver, <clears throat> I'd probably start with a guy like DK Metcalf or Tyler Boyd. Both of them have, fa- have great matchups. Uh, 5,900 and 5,800 for Tyler Boyd. Um, if I'm wanting to pay down at wide receiver, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, one, I find it somewhat surprising that the Jets are actually favored in this game against Pittsburgh. I know, I know the, the Pittsburgh offense has not been uh, a thing of beauty, but as bad as the Jets have been, but I believe the Jets are three-point favorites. So if that's the case, and they're going to be playing <clears throat> a little bit from behind. James Washington, I think, at 5,300 um, is... Uh, you know, he didn't have as great of a game last week, I believe, or no, it was two weeks ago, but regardless, I mean, he's seeing targets last week. He saw 11, uh, four, four and seven, but you know, with Delvin Hodges, I think that, you know, $5,300 James Washington. And then if I'm paying down at wide receiver, I kind of like Greg Ward. Like I played him last week at at, at the nut minimum three K this week. I mean, they, they just don't have anybody else to throw the ball to right now. And in, in Philly, I mean, you have Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders. But in terms of wide receivers, I mean, I, I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is going to play. He's still questionable. And so right now, I mean, Greg Ward, I think, is in line to see you know a pretty heavy target share. He did. He was targeted in the red zone last week as well. He had that. He had that late touchdown last week. Um, but nine targets each of the last two weeks. Found the end zone. You know, if he's going to continue to see this kind of target share, you know, at 4,200, it's going to be hard to kind of get away from him. And then, you know, if Christian Kirk's out, I, I will have some interest in Larry Fitzgerald at 4,200. Uh, we finally, um, you know, he hasn't really had any big games. I mean, you really have to kind of go back to week one when he had 28.3. But, you know, if Christian Kirk is out in a game where, you know, I'm not really scared of their secondary, I think Larry Fitzgerald, you know, even if I think you probably could project that he gets five to 10 targets. Um, in this game uh, at 4,200. So I think that's another place you could go. Maddie, where are you at <laughs> with wide receiver? Um, so usually usually I just try to stack with my with, with, with whichever quarterback I'm using. So um, if I'm playing Breeze, I, I mentioned I think you, you have to play Michael Thomas. Um, it's, it's not a cheap pairing, but I, I think it's going to be a unique one. Um, and we've seen the ceiling on, on those two guys uh, all year. Um, I think it's I think it's another great spot for Julio. Uh, he saw a, a whopping twenty targets last week, and think he can very easily uh, duplicate that again here at home against uh, a Jacksonville team that that we mentioned is kind of just just given up on the season. Um, they've gotten punked by by wide receivers all year long. So um, I really do like Julio this week, especially if he goes overlooked at eight K, because um, Julio tends to smash when nobody plays him. So um, I'm hoping people are off Julio. 
here. Um, I really like Lockett if, if you're running out uh, Russ. Um, I think moving down the list, I'm not really on the Dallas the, the Dallas uh, Philly game. Um, like I mentioned, I, I am a bit concerned with Dak's shoulder. Uh, I think they said he had was what listed as a limited participant for the first time in his five years with Dallas or however long it's been. Um, so I, I think that it is a somewhat of a concern. He was already, he's already been playing with a, a fractured uh, pointer finger too. So his whole right throwing arm is, is just uh, not looking ideal in terms of health. So it, it is a concern for me. And, and we mentioned it's, it's going to be a, I think a tough divisional game. Uh, they're, they're playing for the playoffs. So, I think I think the Chargers are interesting. Oakland's been a, a very pass funnel defense, um, so I, I do like the Keenan Allen call. I really like Mike Williams. Um, Oakland's been burned deep all year, so I think Mike Williams is in a great spot here. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, in terms of value, oh, I, I did mention the Giants receivers against the backup Washington corners uh, earlier as well. I, I think you can play those guys. Um, Shepard and Slayton would be the, the two that I look to first. Um, just because those guys, when you look at one with, with dimes, all the games dimes has played as a whole. And then as well, uh, weeks five and week, week 12, um, I believe were the two weeks that all of the receivers were healthy and, and Daniel Jones was the starting quarterback. So, um, Shepard had the most, uh, target and air yard share. He was at 24 and 31. Um, and then you had Slayton behind him at like 17 and 30 were his two numbers. And then Tate was uh, low man of those three at like 14% target share and 18% uh, of the air yards, I believe, were his numbers. So it's definitely Shepard and Slayton for me um, at the top there against the backup corners. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I, I really like John Ross for value. Um, we saw the beginning of the year before he got hurt when he was playing in that that X receiver role of that offense, um, 12 targets and eight targets at 158 and 112 receiving yards and, and three touchdowns across those two games. So we've seen him flash the ceiling. Um, he just hadn't, hadn't come back and taken his role back yet from, from Auden Tate. Um, but now Tate's on, on IR and, uh, last week Tate was out as well, but looking at the, what the, the Bengals were going to try to do against new England, they just wanted to run the football with Joe Mixon. Um, they figured that's that's what New England was going to let them do, so that's what they did. Uh, they on the season they were running eleven person personnel at like seventy eight percent. They ran it at I want to say it was twenty six percent last week, and their twelve personnel, which is two tight ends, they've been running at like sixteen percent on the season, and it was up to sixty five percent last week. So they definitely made a conscious effort to run the football. Um, against New England last week, so I think it'll it'll nobody's going to play Ross because they're like, oh, he he three targets and three targets the last two games. Why would I play him? Um, well, one Miami gives up a ton of explosive uh, pass plays um, to opposing offenses, and that's what John Ross does. Like he's he's the deep threat guy, runs a, like a four two forty. So, um, and we've seen the the X roll all year. Alden Tate, I mean, the guy's just not very good, and he still put up double digit DK points almost every game out with with Andy Dalton. So, um, I think John Ross is going to be one of my one of my core receivers this week. Um, and I'm just essentially banking on the Bengals getting back to to wanting to throw the football a little bit more, um, and and hopefully run out eleven personnel and 
and kind of air it out a little more than they did last week. And it would, if that happens, it would be the first week that they kind of do that with, with John Ross as their, as their main guy um, out on the outside. So that's kind of where I'm at at receiver. Um, pretty straightforward for me. If DJ Chark is out, would you guys be more inclined to play D.D. Westbrook or Chris Conley? Or Keelan Cole. <laughs> or, or Keelan Cole, yeah. It would probably be Conley for me, though I don't love it because I was talking with uh, our guy Derek Brown. Um, he, I was asking him kind of the same question. I was like, do you have any interest in Conley at his insanely cheap price against Atlanta? So we kind of dug into his matchup a little bit. Um, and like we, we've mentioned, Atlanta has been running a completely different scheme uh, ever since their bye week on defense, and it's actually helped their defense uh, to be better. And they're running way more man coverage and way more press coverage, and Conley has just not really been that good in either of those type coverage types. And he's been much, much better against zone coverage. So it is a concern for me. Um, but, I mean, he is cheap enough, and, and he's, a, he's a home run threat too. So – He's, he gets a ton of deep targets, and really, he's just got to catch one of those, and, and he's paid off his value. The issue, I guess, for Conley for me is he he hasn't really had a red zone role all year until last week um, when Shark was out. So I don't know if that was a fluke or if that's if that would be a new norm. Like, hey, Shark's out, Conley kind of take over red zone role because he's not. I mean, it's not really like a red zone type receiver. You think he had only had like two red zone targets on the whole year before last week yeah I, I would I would probably lean Westbrook he, he disappointed me last he had a really good sharp rapport with with Minshew um when Foles first went down so um you know I I, I think it's a good ba- bounce back spot for him against Atlanta that that's probably where I would go just because he he's had the higher target share pretty much all season long outside of the or compared to the rest of these three guys. So I, I would just bank on that production. Yeah. I mean, Mustafa, I mean, you're right. You know, looking at his numbers. I mean, last week he had four red zone targets compared to the, you know, the rest of the year. He only had two, um, yeah. he had one week seven against Cincinnati and one week nine against Houston. Another than that. Yeah. Which is, which is why I was off him last week at high ownership. I was like, for him to burn me, he's got to catch one or two long touchdowns. And I just I played I played the cards that that wasn't going to happen, and of course he gets four red zone targets and catches two touchdowns. So, <laughs> well, which, which is interesting though, because I guess then if you look at Keelan Cole, you know, played seventy six percent of the snaps, which is like the second most he's done all year. Ran twenty five routes, um, did see six targets last week, but he. You know, and he did see a red zone target. But if you look at him, I mean, his have been a little bit more spread out. They've utilized him a little bit more. I mean, he hasn't been a ton, but he had one. He had one against Cincinnati, one against the Jets, uh, week eight, and then you go to week twelve. He had one against Tennessee. He also had week thirteen against Tampa Bay, and then he had one last week against Oakland. Who's seeing? I mean, again, it's not a heavy target share inside the red zone, but at least they're looking for him on somewhat more of a consistent basis inside the red zone. Um, so I think if D.D. Westbrook or D.D. Westbrook, if um, D.J. Chark is out. I think you can make a case for Keelan Cole, who's also cheaper than Chris Conley. At you know, Chris Conley is sixty at forty three hundred, and Chark is or I'm just all over the place. Uh, <laughs> Keelan Cole is only thirty six hundred, so I mean, you're getting a savings there. You know, that pretty similar target share, um, pretty similar um, you know uh, snap share as well. So I don't know. I think I think you can make a, bit, a little bit more of a case for a Keelan Cole than you could for a Chris Conley. Yeah, real quick, guys, before we. 
before we would move it on, uh, Alex Erickson comes in at 33. The upside might not be there, but um, he's still getting targeted. I don't, I don't know. Is this, is this anywhere that we could try and go to? Um, Cause I've, I've seen people project him uh, into their lineups as far as getting exposure to him because it probably because of his price tag. I just, I just wanted to touch on that at all because he's, he's pretty much almost minimum. So, he'd be a guy to pair with like a DeAndre Washington to where you could get some of these higher price guys in. I don't know. Like I, he's okay. I, I feel like I'd rather go with the higher ceiling though. And a guy like John Ross, who I think he just has a higher ceiling than he does. They both have good matchups. I mean, if you look at, so, you know, Alex Erickson looks like he'll be matched up mostly with Nate Brooks, who is one of the lowest graded corners on the slate by PFF. He's also allowed 1.31 yards per route covered, you know, compared to John Ross, um, pretty much similar, um, you know, pretty much similar 1.38 yards per route covered. Though I will say the, you know, uh, Alex, you know, Nate Brooks is allowed a much higher catch percentage than 69% of the passes. Um, So I don't know. I I just feel like John Ross is a higher ceiling with, you know, that guy that's uh, with the ability to take the top off the defense at any time where Alex Alex Erickson is going to be much more through um through volume and i don't know with all that i mean with, with tyler boyd there with john ross with joe mixon also being utilized giovanni bernard tyler eifert um you know i don't know i think it'd be hard for me to get there yeah, yeah i think i agree I, I i i agree too um if i was you know building multiple lineups and was finding myself like maddie i know you only build a, a couple but it, you know if you were getting john ross on i don't i don't know like 20 or 50 lineups or something like that it would make me want to have some alex erickson exposure just on the off chance that you know they this is the guy they choose to pepper with targets he does you know it's very limited but he we have seen the upside uh, with him getting 24 uh, five DK points there um, in, in a matchup before. So I feel like if I, I just gonna, thought I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if I was going to take a shot on like a complete dart throw, it probably would be Deshaun Hamilton. I kind of mentioned that earlier, but like if I was, if I just wanted to, yeah. you know, a complete dart throw, I mean, last week he played uh, the most snaps. He played 87% of the snaps. He ran 34 routes, which is the second most on the year. He had nine targets. He had he, he has seen, uh, you know, a red zone target each of the last two weeks as well. So, yeah, in a much better matchup at home, uh, I would rather probably play someone like Deshaun Hamilton, who, again, is a complete dart throw. But, you know, I feel like, and he's also a little, I think he's actually cheaper. Yeah, $100 cheaper at 3200 No, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's let's sit on tight ends here before we have defense to wrap up the pod. For me, I'm just going to keep it real short and simple. There's only four guys that I even will have on any of my lineups. That Zach Ertz at the top at 6,400. Uh, I don't I don't know what else is to be said, but they have nobody else to throw to. Uh, would love it more if Aguilar is out, which I think I think he should. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. It, it sounds like he may because they're talking about shutting him down for the year. So if he is out and there's nobody else, um, Zach Ertz is is a premier play. This guy's putting up wide receiver numbers and not priced accordingly. So um, at 6,400, I'd I'd still have some exposure to him. Um, And I'd probably, you know, game stack it in that case on on a couple builds where I have like Wentz, Ertz, maybe Sanders and then run it back with Amari Cooper, um, who I like in this game as well, too. Uh, then, I, you know, you scroll down, you look at this 4K range. Austin Hooper at 4,500. Uh, I mean, you just 
put him in, lock him in, and, and have at it. He's 4,400. There's no Calvin Ridley that's going to be out there. He's put up some pedestrian games, um, which, you know, doesn't make you feel good. But without Calvin Ridley out there, this guy should uh, fall next in line to see this, you know, to see an uptick in, in targets here and, and usage. So uh, love him. Jacob Hollister, it's flow chart against Arizona. He's 4,200. I'm not going to say anything else uh, about him. And then the the fourth guy would be Mark Andrews. I talked about Marquise Brown and getting exposure to him or getting exposure to Baltimore through him. Well, we got Mark Andrews here. And it's frustrating because the targets just haven't been there. You know, earlier in the year, you could pretty much pencil him in for seven targets. And that was that was, you know, going to be gospel. But now, you know, now he's had three in his past uh and two of his past four. So there's definitely a floor there, but the upside, you know, if he's going to be healthy now, he's been recovering from this knee injury and is getting targets around this six to seven area. He, he's getting a ton of red zone looks is what it comes down to for me. And Lamar Jackson absolutely loves him. Um, looks from all across the field. So I, I, I definitely have no problem playing a Mark Andrews uh, would probably want to play pair him with Lamar Jackson. And, and I would just pay the extra 500 um, on uh, Zach Ertz if I was, you know, building a lineup without Lamar. But I do think, you know, with Lamar Jackson, you pair him with a Mark Andrews. And, and I, I like what that, what that uh, can get you. Uh, Maddie, what say you for tight end this week? Yeah, I think you nailed, you hit the nail right on the head at tight end. Um, <coughs> Ertz is in a great spot against Dallas. Uh, Hooper's another great play uh, at home against Jacksonville. I think he's in a good spot uh, there. Hollister, you mentioned the flow chart. Absolutely. Um, Hunter Henry's interesting to me against Oakland. Uh, we haven't really seen his, his ceiling recently, but I mean, he's been one of the most consistent tight end producers um, on the year when he's played. Uh, you look at his game log and it's just, it's just littered with double digit DK points. Um, except for two of the last three have been both three points. So um, it, as long as you're not chasing recent game logs on him, I, I, I do still think that the volume can be there for him to see a, a eight-target game against a, a pass funnel defense in Oakland. Um, and I think he could go overlooked uh, sandwich between um, he's just over Hooper uh, and Hollister, who I expect to be pretty popular. So um, – I, I think that he is he's a very interesting uh, dart throw. And I probably won't go I th- Caden Smith, Fair I guess, if you're playing Danny Dimes, maybe. But I, that, oh, feels, that feels kind of thin to me. Well, um, I mean, when, you, looking- when, when you've got <laughs> 4K guys that are like Hooper, Hooper Hollister and, and Hunter Henry can break the slate, um, scoring 20-plus. So I, I just don't – I don't think you need to dumpster dive really is, I guess, kind of how I'm approaching it. Yeah, but, I mean, if you look at Caden Smith, I do think he's interesting. He's run 123 routes over the last four weeks, which is, I think, third on this slate. And he's only 3,200. So I do think that that is a pretty contrarian way to go. I don't think anybody's really going to play him. Yeah, I don't I don't hate it. Uh, 3,200 is pretty cheap. Yeah. Well, Kev, anything different for you? Can we at least talk about the fact that Dan Arnold caught a touchdown last week? <laughs> yes, Dan the man. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I want to play Dan Arnold. You know what I mean? Like, I always, anytime he's on the slate and he's viable, like, I want to play Dan Arnold. Like, I was so, I didn't even play Dan Arnold last week, and I was fucking thrilled when he caught that touchdown. Um, 
Air Darnold, baby. Amped. Whenever he, I'm like, let's fucking go. Like, I just took out a tournament or something. I was fucking excited. <laughs> um, I would like to see him get more involved in the offense, but this isn't the week to to test out that that theory out. But I don't know. But no, I, I don't. Th- my, I mean, I'm not really much different than you guys are than you know who I want to play. It's it's Waller. It's um, Hunter Henry at 4700. I think that's a little bit too cheap for him. You know, I, I think Hollister's fine, and I think maybe he becomes more in play now that, especially now with the Josh Gordon uh, being out for the year, I think it puts him a little bit more in play. Dallas Goddard's always in play at 4100. It's going to be interesting if Noah Fant doesn't play. I think that'll open things up. But like Mike Gesicki, I think is also a very interesting play at 3600 and, and a pretty solid matchup. I mean, he has been one of the better tight ends, especially as uh, uh, recently. But um, he's run 158 routes uh, the last four weeks. Uh, pretty solid team total. So, and then you know, past that, you know, I think that that's probably kind of what I'm looking at. You know, like I said, like I think the Caden Smith call. I think there's some um, there's something to that a little bit. I would like to play Ian Thomas at 3100, but now that that Greg Olson's back, I don't know how that's going to. Um, impact uh, Ian Thomas. I think, you know, just Greg Olsen come back and get kind of a full allotment of snaps. And because one, I mean, one thing we, you know, we know with rookie quarterbacks that they love to check down and that they love to target their tight end. It's kind of a safety valve. If you can, if, you know, if you can identify which one's going to get more opportunity, when it could be Greg, you know, Greg Olsen here, you know, with his career likely winding down at 3,900, like that's not a terrible play. Um, you know, I don't hate the matchup. And then, you know, but, I, I think it, we could be seeing a scenario where both of them kind of split snaps, and I don't really, I don't really love that. So, yeah, I think it, that's pretty much where I'm at. Fair. Let's uh, let's close it out with uh, our defensive plays here, uh, and I think it's pretty straightforward again with with defense, uh, at, at least for me. Um, I, you know. I've seen people talk about the Redskins D. I, I'm probably not going to go there. Uh, most of my D's fall in the 3K range. It's it's Colts at 3300. Broncos at 3,500 uh, and um, and Steelers at 39. I, I, I Kev, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't really understand how how they came up with the line on this Pittsburgh Jets game, but the Pittsburgh D has paid off dividends for me all, all year long. Uh, I'm not scared to go back there, even at the $3,900 price tag. The Colts going against Will Greer, I, I like them uh, a lot in this matchup. I mean, they just got pretty much embarrassed. Uh, by Drew Brees on Monday Night Football, so it is a short week, but I would like to see him, you know, bounce back there at 3,300 with you know uh, guys who can make plays all all over that defense. Uh, Denver 3,500. I feel like it's going to be chalk. Uh, it is a great matchup, but it it scares me that their their ownership is going to be so high. Um, so I definitely would look for pivots on that. And then Maddie, I guess Cowboys at 2,600 would probably be the cheap play that I would go to. I I do agree with you that, um, you know, the one thing this defense can do is get pressure on the quarterback. So if they can make things a little bit rough for Carson Wentz, they could hopefully, you know, get some pressured sacks there. And if it's a, a low scoring game, um, you know, they won't, they won't be giving up as many, they won't lose as many points, uh, if they're not allowing that many. So I, I could see playing them at 2,600. Yeah. Philly too. 100 cheaper. Yeah. Both teams have 36 sacks on the year. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I really don't know what to make of this Dak injury, um, which is really frustrating because he's really not a, a, a quarterback that I target defenses against because he just doesn't get sacked. 
Yeah. Um, he, he's very quick to get rid of the ball. He will run it, run out of the pocket. So, but with the shoulder injury, I, I just don't know how it, that's going to affect him. So I, I don't like switching up my defenses all too much. So I might just have to miss out on that one if Philly ends up hitting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that game should be interesting. Kev, where are you at with defense? My favorite defense on the slate is the, uh, is probably the, uh, the Norland Saints, especially at 2,700. Uh, I just think it's too cheap. Pressure on 41.5% of the snaps, which is the number one on the slate. They are also up, I believe, number one on the slate as well. Sack percentage at 8.1. Um, you know, they're a favorite even on the road. I, I just think that there's a lot of – and. Ryan Tannehill can certainly throw two or three interceptions in this game as well, but twenty seven hundred is is way too, um, it's, it's just too cheap for the Saints in my opinion. And then from there, I don't hate playing like the Cincinnati defense. We know that that um, that Ryan Fitzpatrick can always have a you know four, five, six interception type game. It's it's just in him. He hasn't really had one of those yet this year. But you know, it's certainly um, you know. Right now, you look at Cincinnati, they are surprisingly um, also pressuring 36.8% of the time, which is, I think, the eighth most on the slate. And then, you know, that defense is, or that, that offensive line has been horrendous. At, they're the worst in the league. So I don't hate that either. So, you know, Cincinnati there. And then, you know, another one, I guess the other one would probably be Oakland at 2,300. Um, again, you know, they're kind of in that, 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 that range that you're looking for at 36.2% of, uh, of pressures. And again, you know, a uh, terrible uh, offensive line. They rank 30th um, uh, for among PFF, among offensive lines. So of opponent O-line pressures allowed. So, and I mean, how many, I mean, how many games have we seen Phillip Rivers throw uh, multiple interceptions yeah. this year? So I don't think a lot of people are going to be on Oakland's defense. And at 2,300, if you're wanting to pay down, like I think that's a perfect spot. Kev, I love I love that call. Seventeen points in that last matchup too. I think it was an afternoon slate game uh, that they played in, but that made Phillips drive a living hell. So uh, you're right about the turnovers there, and not just Phillip, but the whole rest of this offense, especially like Melvin Gordon just having the two fumbles and wide receivers coughing up fumbles. Uh, I love that, Maddie. Any other defenses for you before we close it out? Nah, you'll probably see my my teams will probably be Raiders. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys will be one okay. of those three. Unless I absolutely love it, my my squad and have eighteen hundred left, then I might play the Browns solely because I playing sub two K defenses is fun <laughs> because <laughs> you can fit in a lot more salary at, elsewhere. But I, that's not really like where I would. I always try to fill in defense last, basically, but. If I had to pick, I would probably punt with Raiders, Cowboys, and yeah. Eagles. No, that's fair. Let's do it. Let's build this lineup, guys. We got uh, we only got two more weeks of of regular season main slate lineup building to go, and I it seemed like we were having some technical difficulties with just the way the screen was showing up, Kev. But I'm trying to share the screen back with you on DraftKings if we can pull that up and get to building. Uh, the week 16 lineup in Kev's favorite tournament, the slant. And so Kev with that, um, you can be the first one to kind of position how this lineup goes, because we are in your, we are in your realm. We're in your house and uh, show us how we do it. So we're in the slant 500 K to first, we got nine positions to fill. Let's do it boys. 
Let's go with so many different good options. Uh, let's you know what? Let's go with DeAndre Washington. We're gonna put Washington in. I'm gonna put him in at the running box, running back spot first. But he does play in that later game. So depending on how the team builds, I may move him to the flex uh, just in case here. Uh, Maddie, go ahead and, and take it over there. Now that we have Washington in, why have to decide between Washington and John Ross when you can just play both of them? Throwing, throwing good old Rossi there at uh, 4,200. Let me just get him in. All right, so DeAndre Washington and Ross is how we're going. Let's go Hollister at tight end. This is going to be insane. Three, three 4K players to make it into our build. I, I, I don't know if that's ever ever happened to start out before, but that is how that is how this one is going. So, Kev, back on you. Well, since we have the money and we've played John, uh, we played we played Hollister. Let's just go play Russ. So we got Russell Wilson, DeAndre Washington, John Ross, Jacob Hollister. Sixty-one twenty left in salary or left average per player. It's gonna get interesting, folks. Let's run it back with Kenyon Drake. Um. All right. Let's see what we got here. Um. I'm going to play play Mike Williams at wide receiver. Wide receiver flex and defense spot left. All right. Let's drop Washington down to the flex, and I'm going to play Miles Sanders. Let's get weird, boys. Washington in the flex. All right. Wide receiver and defense left. Uh, Maddie, 64.50 left per player. So just, um, just click on click on MT and Julia and see what salary those are, give us left. So if we play Michael Thomas, 3,600 left. Yeah, just do that. Michael Thomas. Let's lock it in. Michael Thomas, and then 3,600 left. Let's go ahead and put in the Broncos uh, at 3,500, leaving us $100 in salary left. Uh, so our team, as it stands right now, Russell Wilson, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, John Ross, Mike Williams, Michael Thomas, Jacob Hollister, DeAndre Washington, Broncos D, leaves 100 in salary. Going ahead and submitting this right now into the slant. And with that, that is going to cap off the Week 16 DFS Degen Nation pod. Uh, Maddie, thank you for taking time out of your busy Friday night uh, to join us here as we record before the weekend and really get, you know, this is probably the most uh, news and and, uh, latest we've recorded a pod for the main slate here. So only a couple days until until that slate goes live. But, you know, Saturday uh, slate will be pretty much while we're recording 12 hours from now, uh, just about. So, um, you know, you guys hop into our hop into our Slack chat. We'll be talking about Saturday plays and what we want to do there um, in our free Slack chat. If you're not in it, if you don't know what it's about, just DM the DJ Nation pod on Twitter at DFS at DJ Nation pod or DM Kevin at Fantasy Rep 13 and and we'll get you guys in there um, to, to talk plays and talk everything leading into the Saturday and Sunday main slate. But Maddie. You can find him on Twitter at MattyDTQE. Matty, thank you so much for joining. Any final words for the peeps? Nah, good luck. Uh, happy holidays to all. Um, I guess this is the the slate before before all the holidays extravaganza takes off. So uh, happy holidays to all. Uh, appreciate you guys, as always, for, for having me on. Um, I enjoy it. It's a blast. So um, glad to be able to, to continue to, to hop on here with you guys. 
Absolutely. And if you guys are new to the pod and this is your first time listening, uh, you can follow uh, all that Maddie has to offer um, and the TQA on his Twitter handle at Maddie DTQE. Go follow him now. Kevin, you got any final words to the people before we sign off? Yeah, like one, Merry Christmas. We don't say happy holidays around here because we're not snowflakes. <laughs> um you know, if you celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, you know, whatever, Kwanzaa, whatever it is, you know, ha- have well, a great see, one. I just, I saved breath and time by just saying it all, by saying two words instead of 15 words. Yeah, well, you know, we, we let, let's smash this week, you know, win that championship, win that big money, <laughs> you know. What, what, what are you guys doing for Christmas? You guys got any big plans, you know? Are you looking forward to anything? Do you have any traditions that you guys are into, you know? behind Peel back the curtain behind the scenes. Man, no, just going to be watching some holiday movies all through the weekend. Uh, Both of my family, my girlfriend's families are both local, so we never have to deal with any traveling or anything of the sort, which I'm very grateful of. So we'll just be spending time with the families. Uh, I will have a full week and a half off of work. That's probably the most exciting uh, thing about the holidays for me. So I'm just going to be chilling. Heck yeah. No, our our one tradition usually is we uh, well growing up we always open one present on Christmas Eve night. Um, as and as okay. we as we've gotten older, my mom has uh, she's given me and both of my brothers uh, an ornament each year that kind of signifies something major that you know happened in in your life. So I'm curious to not sure what mine's going to be this year. I guess I bought we bought our second house so. Last year I got married, so that was that was an easy one. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, but yeah, so that's usually our tradition. Just nowadays we open our our one our ornament, which is our one present that we do. But yeah, it's growing up. We always our our incentive for behaving at church um, on Christmas Eve was you get to open a present when you get home. So it just kind of stuck. Nice, nice. Kev, uh, what about you, Kev? No, just for me, uh, I got a busy weekend ahead. I finally got all my shopping done, which was, let me tell you, I went uh, left work a little early today and went and did some shopping, and that was a terrible decision because it was fucking packed. And it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm thinking 2 o'clock on a Friday, people still work, and it's not the holiday week yet. Nope, I was wrong. Um, but I got, you know, all kinds of stuff going on this weekend, watching football, and then next week on Christmas Eve, we go to my. I'm going to be going to my parents' Uh, eat some ham, which I'm super excited about. That's my that's my jam. And then on ham. Christmas Day, ham way better than turkey. Yes, no doubt. Uh, and then on Christmas, <laughs> we're gonna go up to her, the the lady's family's house uh, on Christmas Day, which live about an hour an hour north of us. Um, so we're gonna go do that. And then I actually have the day after Christmas off. But and I'm surprised neither one of you DJs even mentioned the NBA DFS slate, which you know is one of the the better. Oh heck yeah! As well. So uh, the all day NBA slate. That. So, Kev, you you haven't even been playing NBA. I know, right? I played once, once this entire year. I played, I played one NBA slate so far this year. I'll start playing a lot more once NBA, once NFL ends. But I just don't have the time right now to to grind out the NBA plus NFL right now and keep up with all the news and injuries and everything else. So, but I there's no way I can not play the the Christmas Day uh, NBA slate, even if I just get in four or five lineups or something. But uh, so that'll be a lot of fun too. So well, definitely. Uh, you know, jump into the Slack and uh, we can uh, talk about the uh, you know on Christmas we can talk about the old NBA slate. Absolutely, get into the Slack chat. Like I said, it is free, free to join. So make sure you guys are hitting us up for details on the Slack. Make sure you guys are rating and reviewing the pod. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, what have you. Um, 
just you know share share the love back with us we much appreciate that go go on youtube watch the video like it subscribe to the channel uh we appreciate everything with that and and uh kevin cody have been putting out great content for all of you guys it could, you know good luck to you guys for championship week um because with the start sit up start sit matchup that cody's got and the pod that you guys had the other day i think you guys have prepped everybody on what they really need to be doing um for for this week 16 as it closes out the regular season fantasy uh fantasy year so good luck to all you guys in your championship matchups good luck to everybody on your saturday slate dfs lineups and your sunday slate uh main slate matchups there as well we got a full fantasy goodness weekend coming up to you but with that the dj nation pod signing off for maddie dtqe Kevin Steele, Fantasy Rat 13 on Twitter, and myself, Ryan Williams, at Ryan Alexander underscore W, where you can find us. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. And we'll see you guys for week 17 next week. Until then, peace. And Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. <laughs> think you can tell me what to do? You know who you're talking to? Used to the way the war back I see what you got It measures it out there